Hello! Welcome to the Mind Buffs Podcast. I am your host, Matt Demoisak. And today we're going to be starting our conversation on industrial organizational psychology. And today I have brought in one of my colleagues, Shauna Schuster. And so we are going to be breaking down, um, for some of you, you might think of, of this as business psychology, um, psychology in the workplace, but in terms of our um, the actual title for psychology within the workplace is actually called industrial organizational psychology and so anytime that shauna and i are going to be hanging out we're going to be talking about different concepts that are really common day-to-day experiences um, for people that are in the workplace and we figured there would be no better way to start this conversation than by talking about something that's already been quite a hot topic buzzword in burnout and so before we begin uh, dissecting exactly what that is and how it impacts us uh at work. I will let my co-host for this afternoon, uh, Shauna, introduce herself and we're going to get rolling. Hello. It's nice to talk to you. Um, my name is Shauna. I'm the mental performance consultant here at Mind Buffs. Um, my specialty has been working with teams of various performance backgrounds and trying to develop that the culture, the teamwork, and the understanding between them, which is kind of what led me into this industrial and organizational psychology, which is a mouthful. So from now on, I will be calling it IO psych, so that you don't have to listen to that whole mouthful every single time. Mm -hmm. And so this is definitely something that both Sean and I are very passionate about outside of working uh, within sport and athletics, the, the second most prominent industry that we have many partnerships with and that we work really closely with is within the business world. And so doing IO psychology is is actually very similar to sports psychology. And so the transition is pretty seamless for us. And, and this is kind of the, the biggest passion I have outside of sport is working within large corporation, working within business. And Shauna um, has also discovered that she has a, a big similar passion as I do to work within that industry. And so we really felt like it would be really important to talk about burnout as we begin this uh, multi-episode series. Burnout has just become such like a big part of the vernacular, both in mm. corporations and outside. And I think it's being used a lot when the word stress could be used mm-hmm. or you actually are burnt out or maybe it's another sort of mental disruption that you're suffering. Um, so just to jump off, I want to just make sure everybody's on the same page. So when we're talking about IO psych, I'm talking about like APA definitions of it. So that would be that it is characterized by the scientific, that's very important, study of human behaviors in organizations um, and the workplace. I point that out because according to the APA, burnout is only only at work. Hmm. So I have some hot takes on that that I don't necessarily fully agree, but it also might depend on what somebody thinks of as work. So when I'm talking work, Hmm. we often get the idea of like just at the office. But if we're talking even like younger people in the workplace or younger people in performance, I do still think it applies, even if APA is specifically talking about 
work organizations. And for those of you parents that are with your kids 24-7, I know that you're also thinking as if this isn't work. (laughs) Oh, it is. (laughs) It's going to be a really similar thing. So if you're listening to this and, you know, you currently are not in the workplace because you've got some young children who are taking all of your time, then yeah, this also is going to apply in terms of the emotional experience you're having, um, having to take care of little rugrats um, throughout the day. I could not have said that better. That's one of the most exhausting (laughs) jobs I have, honestly. (laughs) Uh, It's just like requiring that scientific understanding of behavior in such a unique position Mm -hmm. as workplace. And I'm talking workplace at home, workplace in an office, workplace on a field, wherever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just so many aspects of it. We're talking human performance, analytics, classical human resources, decision-making theory, development, and all of those come together in my experience with like a common list of issues. And you can tell me if you agree or disagree Mm -hmm. with these, but the most common one I think you and I see is that like recruitment Mm -hmm. side. How do I build the best team? Uh And so we hear that a lot, the selection and placement of those people once they get here. And then the next one we see a lot, training and development. Mm -hmm. Help me. My team has taken 45 assessments and I still don't understand what the 200 page report means. I get it. (laughs) It happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Motivation and rewards and then culture, work-life balance, which is huge. And then ding, 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 burnout. Burnout. (laughs) So we wanted to start with that one, even though like within the entire field of IO, uh, Shauna listed, I think the main um, topics uh, really well there. And it's it's a complicated beast to be able to either run a business or a team if you're an owner, manager, supervisor, or to feel like you're just a cog in this massive like corporate wheel uh, and corporate industry. And so this entire field is devoted to whether you are a first-year employee or an owner of a, uh, a business with thousands of employees, you've been doing it for 20, 30 years, there's a lot of great research to kind of help you understand yourself better, understand your relationship to work better so that we can keep work and life as separate as possible. Even if you are fortunate like Shauna and I, where we work jobs that fulfill many of our values and we we do we do feel blessed, we do feel fortunate that we can do this work, we still need to be able to keep that separate from work. And so IO psychology is going to be able to touch on a lot of these different concepts. And uh, we're going to kind of get started by looking at a definition of what burnout is because it's actually quite a recent term. Um, Even in North America, we have this horrible thing called the DSM, the Diagnostical Statistical Manual. And this is actually what we are told as psychologists and psychiatrists to use to diagnose our peoples with their craziness. And it, it's shitty. It's, it's not a great uh, source and the rest of the world uses what, Shauna? The International Classification of Disorders. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with the DSM is it can be vague, right? Mm-hmm. So you can go see one person and be diagnosed with something, go see another person and be diagnosed with something else. This is something I've lived with. This is like <laughs> a really, really common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're talking like who, like the World Health Organization, and we're talking that international classification of diseases, which I'm going to call ICD. Mm-hmm. 
they're just a little bit more explicit in what we're going to describe. So if I'm going to go, we'll define it first. So the World Health Organization defines burnout as the syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed, Hmm. period. But Mm -hmm. um, I think what people don't necessarily always get is that there's three dimensions of it. So the first one is that feelings of energy, depletion, and exhaustion. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I could see that in a lot of DSM Mm -hmm. diagnoses. So people will look at it differently. The second one is increased mental distance from your job or feelings of negativism as cynicism related to your job. Again, I look at that and I think, hmm, maybe somebody would diagnose that something else, depending who you're going to. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is decreased professional efficacy. So you're just not getting that fulfillment out of your you job. Ain't We've been performing. there. <laughs> no. You are not doing well at work and other people can start to see it and, yep. and, and you don't like it. It's just, it's kind of is what it is. It's tough, especially mm-hmm. when you can recognize it, but not see it. But when mm-hmm. I look at this, I think like, Oh, those look a lot like symptoms of depression. Those mm-hmm. look a lot like symptoms of, Oh, maybe I should just change my job. Maybe I should do something. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people see is they're like, Oh, well, it's a depression. And I do think that a lot of times mm-hmm. those things are obviously very linked, mm-hmm. but you know, you might be missing what's going on underneath the surface. Yeah, And, and burnout can also be self-imposed if you're highly conflict diverse, mm-hmm. if you're not having the conversations that you need to have with your team or your boss, your employer to make the situation more clear or easier to manage. And so we're, especially in a uh, younger millennial uh persons and now Gen Me. Z and <laughs> Gen, Gen Z coming into the workforce. And uh, we're seeing an even quicker turnover rate in terms of people changing jobs, but that's largely t- to do with like conflict avoidance traits. Mm-hmm. So again, we're going to talk about all the different variables involved in burnout over the coming episodes, but we really want people to get an understanding of what it actually is so that maybe you can look in the mirror and go, holy shit, this is actually what I've been going through for years. And I've just been telling myself to just get over it. Me, that's mm-hmm. what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, power through. What's wrong with you? You used to be able to work 60 hours a week. Yes. Now I'm having a hard time working 40. Now I'm having a hard time working at all and it starts and you just think oh this is a tough week and then the next thing you know it's a lot harder than that and Mm -hmm. um it's even like it's um part of that idc classification if you go to qd 85 this like excluding adjustment disorders and such um and related disorders that burnout can be diagnosed at this point and And that's pretty recent it's very recent and this is the thing the dsm does not have a diagnosis for burnout and so unless um your healthcare professional psychologist psychiatrist um social worker unless they're up to date on the ICD um, like recent information and research, then that's not a classification that a lot of professionals in North America are even aware of or able to um, to be able to see in their clients. And yet this is a very real thing that's happening and we're just starting to expound on the, the research that we have, but a lot of it's outside North America right now. Most of it. And it's in mm-hmm. the ICD 10 and 11, uh-huh. which means that it has been on the work <laughs> other places point. for a while. That's a good point. And here uh-huh. it's not. And so uh-huh. a lot of people in like just day to day will be like, Oh, I'm burnt out. Oh, I'm burnt out. It's almost like a badge of honor. Like, Oh yes. my gosh, I work so hard. And 
now I need a vacation and mm-hmm. I'm burnt out and like, it's not a badge of honor. Stop. I lived mm-hmm. it. Guess what? It sucks. Totally. Like, and it feels bad. Um, and I will say like, it's getting better. Like who is developing evidence-based guidelines and things like that. It's not like a hopeless end all be all, but mm-hmm. you do need to be proactive in how these things are approached or else, you know, mm-hmm. there are consequences to that. And we can go into those in future episodes about all the different ways, but I'm also not saying it's hopeless. Like no. there's also skills and stuff we can go about. Um, it's also tough because everybody, I'm sure you too, me also, we've talked about since COVID, it's like mm-hmm. a lot harder and a lot of people are having burnout, Yeah, but it's really difficult because we don't really have a research baseline pre COVID. No. So it's all just kind of people being like, yes, it's worse. And researchers being like, mm-hmm. probably, mm-hmm. but it's tough to compare research who didn't necessarily have a full understanding of. Yeah, totally. So to kind of get going in terms of going into more detail in terms of what it looks like, what it feels like, um, some of the science and things like that. Um, I know that uh, Shauna has a story that uh, is actually recent because she's been a part of this team for two and a half years and came from so many other different kinds of like lived experience and and jobs and bosses <laughs> and workload and things like that. But kind of tell us a little bit about what kind of was going on for you in 2022. I mean, part of the reason that burnout is the topic that kind of gets you going and same with like organizational psychology mm-hmm. is because um, it's taken me a long time to adjust to working at mind buffs. I think you could probably agree uh-huh. to that. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, it felt like a bad thing. It uh-huh. took some time. Um, I was coming out of a position I was at for nearly a decade. Um, I would say heavily relied upon in that position, but not paid as such. Uh-huh. Um, And I took a lot of that on myself. So I'm working when I'm not supposed to be working. And I don't want to say I did it to myself, but like (laughs) partially, partially I definitely did. (laughs) And I had a young kid at home and then we just moved cities away from family, away from support. I poached her. And yeah, a hundred percent pulled me away. And I'm like, I can do it. I can work like two or three jobs and I'll be fine. So I was working two or three jobs and lo and behold, I was not fine. Mm -hmm. Um, All it takes is like one event and the whole castle tumbles to the ground Mm -hmm. and being in a workplace that you can talk about that and understand it Mm -hmm. was not something that I was used to. That's something you shut up about and you just power through. And here I was like, well, it's okay. I'm just going to power through. And multiple people had to be like, uh, no, you're not, you're (laughs) not going to power through. You need to stop. But I ended up I was gone for what, a month? I just had to put all clients aside, all work aside and just leave because it bleeds into your life, right? You're not the parent you want to be. You're not the spouse you want to be. You're not even like functioning at like a normal human level. Yeah. And I missed it. And this is me who's trained Mm -hmm. to look for these things. So Mm -hmm. I think it's insane that general public would be expected to be able to use those words because I've spent years educating myself in this and surrounded by people who can see it. And I missed it Mm -hmm. until it's like spiraling out of control. And so that's part of why I picked this topic is that burnout, as we say it in like regular culture and stuff versus like actual true burnout. Mm -hmm. Those are very Very different different things. Um, I, uh, my first experience with burnout was in my mid twenties. And and I think the age uh, that I was is, is significant because 
as younger people, kind of like 25 and younger, we can kind of get away with working like crazy yeah. and having multiple jobs. I didn't need as jobs. much sleep. No. I didn't have as much responsibility. I was late 20s, same. Yeah. 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 Right. You can kind of eat whatever the hell you want oh, yeah. for the most <laughs> part and like it not really have any long-term like ramifications. And so like in my mid twenties, I was, uh, I was in grad school. I was coaching. That'll <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. That alone it will yeah. do it. And then I was coaching full time. And I was also working full time as a correction officer uh, at the Edmonton Young Offender Center. And that's um I was doing shift work. And for anyone that's that is or has done shift work. That will also do it. Yeah, that will also do it. So I was doing three separate things that in and of themselves can lead to burnout. And so I was, you know, going to bed at like Oh yeah. Married too. I got, I mean, I got married no, real young. Sorry. So sorry. I had like actually someone I had, um, deep, I have deep love for and wanted to care for and be there for, but I, I didn't have much time. So I'd go to bed at around like one in the morning. Um, most of my half or more of my shifts were daytime shifts. So I'm getting up at like five thirty, five forty-five in the morning. And, and this was just like, this is my life. This is my day. I would just do this. I'd work and then I would go to the rink and coach, come home, spend time with my wife. And I just do this rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And especially when it's like the very first time and hopefully the first time you experience burnout, sometimes it's like a cliff edge. You're climbing up the mountain, you're climbing up the mountain and all of a sudden you're just free falling. Mm-hmm. There were small warning signs that Obviously, I I could have been more aware of to prevent it from happening, but I went from thinking I was okay to all of a sudden I was very much not okay. I was fine too. What do you mean? I know, (laughs) I know. And so we 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 fool ourselves because it's it's in recent history that burnout was this badge of honor. And so when I even when I it's so funny when I share this story of like, I was working full-time doing shift work in a prison. I was coaching high-level hockey full-time. I got married when I was 22. Oh my God, good for you. Uh, You're exactly. doing it. Right? Like even telling a story, there's a part of me that still feels like, man, you are a badass. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. We get rewarded for that because it's a part of that capitalistic culture of like hustle and you just work your ass off to get the results you want. I literally destroyed my body. I destroyed it. I started to develop really sensitive um, allergies to food, to environment. If I wasn't getting seven or eight hours of sleep, I would have anxiety throughout most of the day. Just one night, one night of poor Mm -hmm. sleep. And my ability to recover from playing sports, from working out, I lost that elasticity, being able to like rebound quickly. My body was suffering from head to toe. That's how I would describe the visceral day-to-day lived experience of having gone through burnout. And it took me six to 12 months to recover from that. I know that everyone would be like, oh, that's what it's like getting older. That's what it's like getting older. And I was like, getting older is horrible. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, I think they're wrong. Because I was the same. And you can attest to this too. I don't think I'm fully recovered. Hardly. Maybe on my way, but I took a whole month off and physically I was prone to injuries, sleeping, not as much, had to go on antidepressants, had to go on anti-anxieties. Like I have to, I had to medicate and physically adjust because it's just not. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, 
I had mentioned how if I just had one poor night of sleep, mm-hmm. I would have anxiety and just be non-functioning the next day. I've taken tons of rest. After I finished grad school, after working at the prison and after stopping coaching, all I did was just this one job as a sports psychologist. And I had a small caseload when I first started. It took me like probably a year and a half away from all those other activities before I felt like I was getting that level of energy that I was used to having. And to this day, if I go two days in a row with six or less hours of sleep, I can feel the same way I did when I was recovering from my burnout. So it hits quicker. It hits quicker. It's like the the thing with the body is it's a, it's miraculous. It's resilient. It's incredible. But when you experience real burnout and you're in that shit for months to years, you kind of do permanent damage. Oh, I can, I can still feel it. And again, like I said, we're two people who know what we're looking for. Yeah. Imagine just, powering through like the millennial hustle culture mm-hmm. keep going keep going mm-hmm. you'll be fine just keep going oh probably almost killed me and yeah. you right yeah. like these are things that the worst <laughs> that this is the importance of language a bit and the term burnout coming so into pop culture i think is great because yeah. one everybody gets to learn about it you're yeah. not just some weak like millennial who's not strong enough to keep working your way that only wants to do things you want to do yeah Yeah, all the common tropes of being a millennial exactly Um, it's it's beyond that right and i think that i'm on one side very happy everybody knows this term people are starting to understand it and on the other side i'm like it's you're experiencing stress and that person's experiencing burnout and we do kind of need to be important about how we use that language. So when Matt and I are speaking about these things, that's burnout. Yeah. I was walking to the office as a zombie. Yeah. Uh, Everything's hurting. Can't motivate myself to do anything. All of these things. I've been stressed. Mm -hmm. I can manage stress, Mm -hmm. but those are more situational. Whereas burnout is going long when we're talking that hopelessness, Mm -hmm. that's that burnout watching for depression. And Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of people are going to have, both at times totally. because it's it's hard. When we look at, at business psychology, IO psychology, and and look at the different um, ways in which people feel like they need to leave job, the things that increase turnover rate within businesses, burnout is is one of the highest, um, one of the most common reasons as to why people end up leaving their workplace. Again, sometimes it's because the workplace is just brutal. Like it's creating burnout. Uh, but sometimes it's because you are not saying no because you're not setting boundaries because you're afraid to have difficult conversations. You're calling me out? I'm looking at <laughs> you, but I'm not insinuating anything. That is all me. Yeah. That's the part where you like kind of yeah. feel bad because I'm not saying I do it to myself, <laughs> but like sometimes you do need yeah. to learn about like when to say no. And it took yeah. me, what, I've been here two and a half two years, half probably taking me about two and a half years yes. to learn to be like, I can't take yeah. that on right now. So when, when we actually bring on new staff, we actually use Shauna as, as an example, <laughs> not, not of, <laughs> I love you, not as an example mm-hmm. of don't be like Shauna, but like, Hey, we get it. So but, but yeah, try to avoid what Shauna had to go through. Mm-hmm. But what's important to remember is that even though we are a completely different environment and culture, um, we create a space where you can feel safe, where you can tell us what's going on and we're not going to use it against you. It can take years for your brain to actually believe that it's different. This is why like, if you don't process like the shit you've gone through in a previous relationship, you're bringing all the baggage into the new one, even if they're 
wonderful and loving. Do you remember the first time a parent <laughs> called me at the office? Oh my goodness, you were just <laughs> vibrating. I came from a job where like the only reason someone is calling me is to just lose their mind at, yell at you. Like yeah. every time, uh, multiple times a day, like I was getting berated. Yeah. And then finally someone's like calls me out the office and I was like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like freaking out. And everyone's like, they probably just like want to talk to you. Like it's not bad. And I was like, it's going to be so bad. My heart is racing. I made the phone call. They're like, Oh, I just wanted to know who my kid was talking to at sports. And I'm like, Oh, so glad I panicked about this for two hours before making this phone call. But you go immediately back, like the visceral reaction of just a dumb phone call. Yeah. And it's, it probably took, 20 parent phone calls to me to be like, wow, none of these people have yelled at me a single time. Yeah. Maybe I can take a breath and just make them. I still don't like to make them though, but I will. (laughs) No, and not everyone's going to feel comfortable with that kind of work. But I think what's important about Shauna's story there is that it took a long time for her brain to see that the environment that she was in was safe. Mm-hmm. Her brain was still used to being in a vigilant mindset of expecting people to be yelling at her, expecting activities and demands at work to be just dropped on her table last second. So if you don't actually do the work to heal, maybe it sounds like a big word, but to like heal the trauma or even just some of the the smaller stressful things, the frustration, the helplessness, the, the feelings of trapped in your former job, you just quitting your job and going to a new place. That's what I did. And it didn't work. It didn't work. Eventually it worked. (laughs) Right. And the thing is people see that as job to job, but I also would see that at home. Mm -hmm. So like if I was done, the workload dropped on my desk, I'm never caught up with anything at this point. Hundreds and hundreds of emails are just never ending. Yeah. And I go home or I work from home and then I just turn off the computer. It, there's been no transition there. Yeah. And that's, I find, where it really bleeds into people's lives. And that's regardless of if you're the CEO of a huge company yep. or me answering emails yep. at my desk. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter the kind of work that you're doing. It's more so just the load of it. It doesn't really matter outside of like, how much time am I investing mentally and emotionally into this thing? We were speaking at a, a PD day for um, Emerson Public uh, School a couple of weeks ago. We went to one of the uh, K-9 schools and we were talking about burnout uh, to all the teachers because as for those of you that are teachers listening or no teachers, it's not an industry set up for people to no. feel very good about no. themselves. And so what we wanted to do is to try to educate teachers on becoming aware of what those early signs of burnout are like. And one of the things that leads to significant levels of burnout is actually one particular core belief. And that core belief is the belief that I am responsible. And I am responsible for everything. What do you mean? (laughs) That's how it can feel though. It's like, this is on my desk. This is my job. Things will crumble if this doesn't get done. I hear that from every client from like nine years old about a school project until way up into corporate. If this doesn't happen, this is relying on me. Mm -hmm. Like I am responsible for this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, guess what? It will be there tomorrow. It will. I promise. A lot of the adult clients that we get who have children, they have such high levels of guilt and shame because when they go home after work, it feels like they have no capacity for patience, no capacity to be with their child that 
does something that they weren't expecting, that behaves in a way that's outside of the energy level that you feel like you have for that night. And then you snap or you close off, you get frustrated, whatever your version of kind of losing your patience looks like. But the reason why that's happening is that your brain has had to hold on to this narrative at work all day that like, I'm responsible for all these people, for all these emails, for all these, for all of these tasks I have to do. If I don't do them, horrible things are going to happen. And so you bring that mindset, you go home, your brain doesn't give a crap about work and home. It's the exact same thing to your brain. So if you are already carrying this burden of feeling responsible for people, for things, for productivity, and you take that mind home, you ain't got any bandwidth left. Mm-mm, you're done. You see it. It's like a toddler, right? Like not to call adults toddlers, but it kind of <laughs> is sometimes where it's just like, fine, 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 setback, setback, I'm fine. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's not fine. Yeah. Um, they use it a lot in like ADHD psychology, but mm-hmm. I like to apply it to work as well, where it's like the spoons. You only have a certain oh, number yeah. of spoons and every task is using a spoon. Those tasks can be emotional tasks yes. too. It can be that email you've been dreading to send. It can be the conversation with your boss you don't want to have that might take some spoons. And then when you've used up all your spoons for the day, you have none left. You don't get a new set when you get home. Mm -hmm. You're just out. And Mm -hmm. that's basically what it is. You're trying to do too many things. And oftentimes people will just be like, well, it'll be fine. It's fine. I've got help. (laughs) 100%. I mean, I honestly, I I think of having our one-on-ones with Shauna in the first two years that she was here. How are you doing? Okay. I'm fine. I'm great. I'm, I'm lying, glad, I'm glad I'm great. I led you into calling yourself <laughs> out there because like that's definitely what you were doing for so long. Is but I been... really did think I was fine. Yeah, that's the like, thing that I think people yeah. miss also is like, in my brain, I was fine. Yeah. Looking back, was I fine? No. 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 <laughs> and we could see that, right? For Alex mm-hmm. and I, the, the bosses of the mind buffs, mm-hmm. like, we could see that Shauna was not fine. So there's only so much... <laughs> that we could do. There was only so much that we were responsible for. We could recognize that mm-hmm. Shauna probably needed some time off, but we can't force her to see that either. I wouldn't have listened anyways. Oh, yeah. And this is one thing, depending on your job position, your age demographic, your personality type that I think really matters is that you need to recognize and do something in yourself. And that's hard because yeah. other people will notice it first. Um, when I was managing the employees over the summer and stuff, I noticed it in them and would uh-huh. talk to them about it and they would say, Oh, what? No, I had no idea. I feel fine. Uh-huh. You're not fine. I can see you're not fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the transition to understanding what to do about that is yeah. really not only hard, really uncomfortable because we're in a society where you're supposed to be fine. How are you? Good. Mm -hmm. That's what you're supposed to answer. And in a workplace, like what would you recommend? Because obviously here I could come in and be like, I'm having a horrible day. It's rough. We've all done it. Totally. And, but what would you recommend to people in other positions who are like, how are you? And you're like, Mm -hmm. good. (laughs) So obviously Sometimes people are asking it to you because that's just what they ask. Just another Canadianism of like, yeah. hey, how's it going? But, or are they someone that you can tell, no, they're actually wanting to know how I am doing. And we're not doing ourselves or them any service by actually lying, by telling them that I'm fine when I'm not. Especially if it's like in a power differential where it's like your, your supervisor, your manager, or the boss, and they're asking you how you're doing. There can also be a lot of fear 
or like a coach to an athlete asking, Hey, oh, like, yeah. how are you doing? There can be a lot of fear around like, well, if I tell them I'm not doing good, then are they going to take opportunities away from me? Are they going to think that like I'm weak and incapable? So like to your question, it really depends on like the level of trust you have with that person. But you also just have to, at some point, try to give someone the opportunity to gain that trust. I think if you're in that position and like you can listen to you and Lindsay talk a little bit more about power differentials, but you need to be willing to hear it because if someone has got the nerves to come say that, that's probably taken a while to get there. Um, And also a reason I ask is because I think people need to hear that sometimes because it took me two years before I could hear that. Like, you know, it's okay to be like, I'm tapped out and, and it, you can hear it lots of times and not actually hear it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens regularly. Like I'm in my early thirties. A lot of people in the workplace now are like all over the place and <laughs> everybody's doing different things and you can really get into that comparison game. And mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of burnout as well. It's not listed in there, but a lot of hopelessness can come from look mm-hmm. at your peers, mm-hmm. see what they're doing. Social media is everywhere. Oh, yeah. And then you just kind of start that circle. And so I, I like it to just remind people yeah. that your person might not be at work also but like find a somebody who you can kind of just Hmm. debrief with and maybe who can call you out because matt calls me out all the time now and it's been very helpful (laughs) (laughs) um one of my favorite studies that came out um within the last i think five or six years now was simply it was like the easiest study in the entire world so they strapped people up to all these sensors and monitors to kind of read um heart rate variability um breathing, skin conductance, a lot of the things that we do like in biofeedback, which we'll we'll share more about um, in the coming episodes. And all they wanted to do was to bring in people that had a certain level of stress in their life. And so they, they had that measured out. And all they wanted the people to do, the individuals in the study to do, is to just verbalize one statement. I'm not okay. They wanted to read what changes were happening at a neurological level, at a physiological level, if a human being just simply uttered the words and admitted to themselves and to someone else, I am not okay. And what is so amazing about the study is that just within a matter of seconds after just saying those words, we could see that cortisol levels and epinephrine were getting decreased, their heart rate was slowing down, their breathing was slowing down, just from telling someone even someone they didn't know, a bloody researcher. Poor person on the bus is like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am not okay. It's really powerful just to be able to know that someone else can see you, to understand that, oh yeah, yeah, you're you're not doing well right now. Thanks yeah. for telling me. And like I said, it can be hard. Like you can really think you're doing okay and then not be doing okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we'll be talking about in the next couple as well. Cause burnout is just an enormous topic and we mm-hmm. can get into so many things about it. But, mm-hmm. um, for now, I think like the next time we talk, we can talk about the different types and all of that kind of stuff and how, how they impact not only you as an individual, but the person around you and the organization and things like that. And I think mm-hmm. that's where the power comes in about just opening up the language. And even yeah. if we can't hear what the people are saying back to us, you can mm-hmm. just, you know, feel it and hear what we're saying and and take that in. Yeah. I think that's a, an important first step. And so the takeaway for you as listeners today is if you're resonating with this, if this is something that you're either already in or you can kind of feel it coming, think of one person that you can just tell them, I'm not okay. 
It can be friend, family, maybe even a coworker, colleague, or your therapist. Just tell someone they I'm not. Know. <laughs> we probably know. <laughs> Just tell someone I am not okay. And then in the next coming episodes, we'll go into more detail about the different subtypes of burnout, um, the different causes of burnout. Again, in a more kind of detailed fashion. But thank you so much for hanging out with Shauna and I today. Thanks for having me here. We look forward to diving more into burnout and just in the whole world of IO in general. And we'll be seeing you again in about a month's time next time Shauna and I hang out. Perfect. See you soon. Take care.